Detective Arnell, Detective Tubbs. You all right to talk? Talk. Can't you see? It's all on the floor, man. Just like that Broward cop that walked into a room full of ether ten days ago. Come on, pal. Take it easy. Easy? Just like that Broward cop? How about the cop in Hialeah? Or the cops in Coconut Grove that ended up serving search warrants on empty warehouses? Let's talk about what happened here. Because officially, they are still listed as three separate incidents on three unrelated occasions. Yeah, different cases, different suspects with the same result. They all knew that the cops were coming. Freeze! Miami Vice! Hello, Vice fans. Welcome back to the Vice of Miami podcast. It's the 20th of February, and Tim and I are starting to record. Tim, how you doing? What's up? What's going on? What's the word? I'm do- doing good, Mark. What about you? Doing just fine, enjoying the weather. We're going to hopefully approach 50s today. It's nice and sunny out. It's supposed to be 60s later on and maybe 70s next week. Yep, that's pretty much the same here and uh, in North Carolina. Never say that winter's done because there's always been a time in... Uh, Illinois, where there was snow in April, but yeah. you know it's looking pretty good. It's you know liking it. I mean, yesterday here they already laid down the landscaping company already laid down the pre-emergent for us. Oh, so yeah. nice. I could you so know we, we could probably do that here. Probably do half the rate. That's what a lot of uh, a lot of those expert landscapers say. Do half the rate as early as you can. Yeah, if you do the Scott's four step, usually it tells you between February. And early April to put it down. Right, right. But it's perfect. No more snow, no cold, no frozen cars. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, we could get a, a kick in the backside come April. Probably on Easter morning, we'll get the snow on the Easter eggs. That's yeah. Fine. Right. M- Mother Mother Nature's always funny that way. That's for yeah, sure. Mother- <laughs> <laughs> so what do you say we get into it, Tim? Let's do it, Mark. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the last show covering Lend Me an Ear which is a great episode. And as I always say, sit back, relax, grab your beverage, and enjoy the Vice of Miami podcast covering Season 3, Episode 19, Red Tape. And this episode is written by Dennis Cooper and Jonathan Pulaski, directed by Gabrielle Beaumont. The original air date is March 13th, 1987, and it's the 63rd episode overall. And our plot for this episode is that Tubbs goes to extreme lengths to root out the source of a leak in the department, meaning Metro-Dade at large. Okay, let's check out the guest stars and the co-stars. First up, we've got Scott Chapman Plank. He was born November 11th, 1958, and he portrayed Officer Glenn McIntyre. He began his acting career on Broadway, appearing in the original cast of Dreamgirls in the early 80s before moving on to films. He also appeared on stage in A Chorus Line and The Princess and the Call Girl. Some films included Wired, Mr. Baseball, Moonbase, and Holes, which was his final film appearance. Some other TV roles besides Mammy Voice included Crime Story, Murder, She Wrote, Walker, Texas Ranger, NYPD Blue, among others. Plank died from injury sustained in an auto accident in L.A., California, on October 24th, 2002, at the age of 43. It's pretty young, pretty young. 
and mark our next ones. In fact, the next two that we're going to cover, I did not even recognize them because they were so young when this show aired. But our next up is Vigo Peter Mortensen Jr. Uh, Vigo Mortensen, born October 20th, 1958 in New York City. And he portrayed Detective Eddie Trumbull in this episode. Mortensen began his career in theater before jumping into TV, appearing in the miniseries George Washington, followed by appearances on an ABC after-school special and Search for Tomorrow. Movie roles included Witness, followed by roles in Fresh Horses, Young Guns 2, Boiling Point, Carlito's Way, The Prophecy, Daylight, the 1998 version of Psycho, among many others. Morton has also written 17 books of poetry. He has painting and photography between 1993 and 2010. He married ex-singer Exeline Cervenka in 1987 until their 1997 divorce. They have one son, Henry Blake. Then he entered into a relationship with Spanish actress Ariana Gill in 2009. And the next young one we have coming up here, Tim, Annette Francine Benning. She was born May 29th, 1958 in Topeka, Kansas. And she played Justice Department clerk Vicky, who was the girlfriend of McIntyre. She made her acting debut in this 86 move TV movie, Manhunt for Claude Dallas, followed by roles in the series Wise Guy, the TV movie Hostage, and her most recent TV appearance, the 2005 TV movie, Mrs. Harris. Some of her films include The Great Outdoors, good movie, followed by Postcards from the Edge, The Grifters, Guilty by Suspicion, Bugsy, The American President, good movie, Mars Attacks, mm -hmm. funny movie, <laughs> among many others. Annette married choreographer J. Stephen White in 1985, but they separated in 1986 and finally divorcing in 1991. Benning then met and married actor Warren Beatty in 1992, with whom they have four children. Did you recognize either of those two, Mark? I did, and that's the other one. No, I didn't, but I definitely picked up on that betting. All right, next up, we have Michael Gorman, who made his acting debut as drug dealer Onofrio Avila. His other credits include roles in the movie Ironweed and the TV series Monsters, A Man Called Hawk, and the miniseries A Woman Named Jackie. Nothing could be found in his bio, other than his acting career, which was from 1987 to 1991. So very short-lived. And finally, we've got Lou Diamond Upchurch as Bobby Diaz. Born February 17th, 1962 in Subic Bay Naval Station, Philippines. Lou is an American actor known as Lou Diamond Phillips. Not Lou Diamond Upchurch, but Lou Diamond Phillips. He began his career acting career in the 84 movie Interface before getting a big break in 1987's La Bamba, great movie, in which he portrayed Richie Valens. Other filmography includes Stand and Deliver, Young Guns and Young Guns 2, Disorganized Crime, and Renegades. TV roles included Time Bomb, In a Class of His Own, Gone But Not Forgotten, Lone Rider, Love Takes a Wing, and Angel and a Bad Man. Phillips was married to Julie Cipher in 1987 to 1990, when they divorced and then he married Kelly Preston Phillips in 1997 and they divorced in 2007 and they've got three children and his current wife, Yvonne Marie Bossemer, and they got married in 2007 to the present and they have several children and rounding out our co-stars. We've got Mark Brummer as bodyguard, Rick 
Callanan as DEA agent Ayers, and Jeffrey Gill as Assistant District Attorney Kaplan. And Mark Samami, Vice in the News. Lou Diamond Phillips did the voices of Owlman Inspector in the recent director video Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1, which was released on January 9th of 2024. going to start our discussion here which the opening sequence is very long and it begins on a coming on a, a miami street but then ends up in front of the nemo motel uh with top crockett and tubs getting out of testarossa in an area of miami that's predominantly apartment so this nemo could be one of those nearby two guys are playing basketball crockett and tubs are discussing the early start of the day and i think it was 0500 and tubs's latest love interest these two guys that are playing basketball are detectives Bobby Diaz and his partner, Eddie Trumbull, who are South Dade vice cops planning on getting their gold sergeant shields next month. And I remember Crockett saying, you know, that's pretty quick. They had a little banter about that. They're attempting to locate a nickel and dime thief who may have witnessed the shooting. Tubbs goes upstairs, assists at the unit in question. Bobby knocks on the door and then Eddie kicks in or I think he may have shouldered it in uh, to knocks it down. But this was wired and it explodes, injuring Eddie very severely. Tub stays with him while Bobby, who gets up after getting his bell rung, runs for help. After a bit, the rest of the PD and EMS arrive. Castile and Vic Varnell of SID stop by to interview Diaz and Tubbs. Switex takes Diaz to the hospital at Vic's request, and Vic starts talking to Tubbs, who is none too pleased. He starts hammering Vic about all the recent rash of cops getting injured in the same way. Vic says they are not related in crime-wise, but Tubbs yells, result-wise, they are. He also says bad info is probably coming from within. As Switek is helping Diaz get in an ambulance. Another SID agent named Glenn McIntyre arrives on the scene. Yeah, Tubbs was a little bit miffed, to say the least. Yes, right? he was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So still in the opening opening scene, more or less here, another area. I think they were probably downstairs, maybe the lobby or whatever. Uh, Vic has explained to Crockett and Tubbs and Castillo that anyone that has access to a terminal where warrants are stored can get any info on any warrants they have. And leak the information. Tubbs tells him, well, then you better get to work. So Glenn walks in and he's, you know, kind of side talking with Vic while Tubbs is, you know, still going on his verbal rampage here about being a cop and the dangers and how he doesn't like it. So Castillo here, deadpan as usual, not looking at anybody. I probably, th- I think he was looking at the ground. You know, mm-hmm. Tubbs, he was. Tells Tubbs just to file a report, go home, get cleaned up and be back, be back in my office at four. Castillo says... He's going to be reassigned or face suspension, basically. And then Tubbs does him pretty much one better. He quits and hands Castillo his badge. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Jack. They'd have jumped on this like white on rice in New York. They'd have never let this leak get this far. Never. SID's handling the leak, Rico. End of discussion. Well, until SID finishes their investigation, I'm not working. Because nobody's going to scrape this body off this pavement or offer some dealer's doorstep. Nobody. Go home, Rico. Get cleaned up. File report. Be back in my office by 4 p.m. Pick up your new assignment. Or what? 
or take a suspension. Well, I'll tell you one better. I'd rather be playing the lottery in New York City than Russian roulette in Miami. I quit. Okay. New now, York. with this being said, as we go forward, it'll make it'll play in and make sense. Is this Tubbs being truthful and honest, which I'm sure he is, but is it him just ranting or is this just an act? But we'll go forward and you'll see why we why we ask. Is that an act? So now Tubbs is unemployed, we're assuming here. He quit, turned in his badge. He's at the uh, is the Metro Dade Credit Union. He's trying, while still wearing his bloodied shirt from the scene, to get money out of the credit union. Um, that's his. He's got bills to pay, whatever. And then he's meeting with the typical paperwork, bureaucratic brick wall that everybody faces, right? And a clerk... You could say she's not really concerned with his or anybody else's sob stories there, right? Kind of like being at the uh, Secretary yes. of State office in Illinois. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Midlothian. Yeah. People, if you know, you know. But anyways, I'm I'm just a clerk. There are rules to follow. You got to follow the rules. And she pretty much tells him that. She tells him, read the procedures. It's in the display case behind you. In the display case, Tubbs flips his wig here and he uses a chair to smash the glass case. And then screaming, I want my money. Sounds like a commercial for, uh, what is it, TD Waterhouse? It's my money and I want it now. It's my money and I need it now. It's your money. Use it when you need it. Anyway, um, he flips his lid, does, you know, goes on a rant. And then meanwhile, at the hospital, uh, Diaz is explaining here to Casillo, I think they're sitting outside, pretty much what happened. And I find it odd. Why is Castillo hanging with Diaz? And why is he doing SID's job? You know, it really didn't have anything to do with Vice, even though your team was there with him. But he even said, let a, let SID do their job. So why is Castillo there, right? You know, one thing we never got, why was Crockett and Tubbs at the Nemo? Right. I, well, I think when they first got out, they said they wanted to, or how come we didn't know about this? Or how come we just found out about it? Or something like that. It was some some banter like that where they knew about it. But yeah, it wasn't their case. It wasn't their assignment. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe oh, that's right. They said just... that typically you get when you're going to come in our turf, right. you give a thing. But again, why were they there? Were they there for the same purpose? This we don't know. Um, an officer comes up to them, notifies Castillo that Tubbs is being held downtown on assault charges. He tells the officer, Castillo tells the officer to contact Crockett and get him down the right way. And then Castillo tells Diaz to keep the vision that he has about being a good cop and moving forward in his career. Keep it going. Don't don't let this dis- distract you. You're a good kid. Just do your good job. D- uh, Diaz says that he's going to get whoever did this. And then Castillo says, let them handle it. And then he just leaves. So now this SID officer McIntyre, who appeared briefly we find him calling his girlfriend, Vicky, who just so happens to be, work at the Justice Department as a clerk. She tells him that Tubbs flipped out and is being held on charges. She wants to know what's up, but McIntyre says he'll tell her later. He wants her to pull out all of Tubbs' files with mug shots of anybody Tubbs busted. She walks to a terminal and searches for the info on, on Rico. And then we flip to the Miami PD, where Tubb is in an interview room with the tables turned on him. Crockett is asking what's up and saying that he can lend him the money that he needs. You know, he didn't have to go through this lengths, breaking cases to get his money. Tubbs wants what the department owes him, not a loan. He says he's going to go back to New York to be a private investigator or play the numbers or whatever. 
Crockett says he's only concerned about his partner, and Tubbs shoots back saying he has no partner as he is O-U-T out. He also tells Crockett he should be as well until the partner gets its act together. The officers stand by Crockett, standing by Crockett, lend some sage advice on some guys at the edge, going over the edge, and they just go past it if people are trying to stop him. So I don't know if he's trying to say, you know, maybe he needs to just back away from Tubbs. Right, right now, I, I think that's probably what he, he was trying to do to Crockett, saying, "Hey, I've seen this before. Just let him be, let him chill out, and then go from there." But to go back to New York, I don't know what you gonna do in New York, man? Work? Yeah, I work, man. And work as a PI. Join a security agency. And maybe play the numbers. What hell difference does it make what I do? It makes a lot of difference to me. You're my partner. I don't have any partner anymore. I'm out. O-U-T, out. And until this damn department gets its act together, you should be out too. Rico, why don't you just take a week off? Look, I don't need a week. Don't patronize me, Sonny. Listen, buddy, there ain't nobody patronizing you. You can't even see what you're doing. It's simple. I've had it. See, this is where we mentioned before is this Tubbs being truthful to and expressing himself or is this part of the act? But if it's part of the act, why is he acting? Well, why are they alone in the office? Oh, just weird. We'll see. Weird. We'll weird. see. So now we're back at OCB after Tubbs, I guess, is released or whatever. Tubbs is boxing up his goods from his desk here, cleaning out his desk. Swiatek answers and asks Tubbs what's up. Tubbs coldly tells him to mind his own business. And then Switek snaps back that pretty much after Zito was whacked, he wanted to leave too. You know, saying, you know, I kind of agree with what you're going on here. I agree with you. I, I I sympathize with you. But he stayed. He just thought Tubbs wanted someone to listen to. Tubbs, Tubbs leaves. So now we're at some club. Tubbs is trying to relax. We're assuming he has a virgin tropical drink there because he doesn't drink. And then Tubbs is pretty much trying to spread the word via the bartender or maybe he's a friend or something that he's open to some money and will pay double to anybody at the end of the month that wants to loan him some dough or some cash or whatever he's got going on here. We'll pay him double. So this bartender, I think he starts making some phone calls or whatever. And then in walks Glenn, the SID cop, and he finds Tubbs and sits and starts commiserating with Tubbs about the BS bureaucracy in the department, about getting things done to make people safe. And then Tubbs says that he's not in it for games. And Glenn says what he's offering isn't a game. It's a way out. This really piques Tubbs' interest now. Tubbs leaves and tells Glenn, you know, stay out of my face. So Glenn leaves as well. And outside the club, he's pretty much accosted by Tubbs, who wants to know who he's talking about on the inside. And then Glenn says, hey, you know, you want to retire with six figures? Play the game with me, pal. You know, I'll help you out. So Tubbs is listening to his rundown here on basically, you know, it's just information I want for cash. Vice info, double the cash. And there's even rooms for Crockett, but Tubbs says, hey, we'll never go for it. Which, yeah, so is this still part of the act or is this Tubbs being truthful? We'll get there. We'll get there. Is it real or memorax? Get the money from me. It's real simple. It's real business-like. Vice info, you get a premium. There's even room for your partner. Forget about him. Never do it. It's fine. It's more for you and me then. So when do we start? When are you ready? 
I'm ready. I've been ready. Yeah. Is it, I heard you. Is it real or is it Memorex? We'll see. <laughs> Going forward, we'll see. So now we're back at OCB and Castillo's giving a rundown on the case at hand. Nobody's to talk to the press. And a DEA agent is going to be filling in using Tubbs' badge. Swiatek wants to know if there are any special considerations so the county doesn't run out of body bags in his sarcastic way. SID agent Vic says, utilize the bomb squad who is on call 24 hours a day. And I'm thinking, aren't they, aren't they always on call? Right? <laughs> exactly. They have to. They have. They work different shifts. I, uh, they, back then, it was just beepers, right? They, they made a different shifts of the shifts of different teams or something. I like know that. what they did. They probably blew the siren. <laughs> anyway, Gina asked t- about Tubbs' official status. Castillo says he's suspended pending termination. Judy then makes a snide remark on the bomb squad getting overtime while they walked into booby trap warrants. Castillo wanted to know if she had any other comments as she's walking out the door. I think Castillo was a, he was a classic in here. (laughs) Yeah. Back to the same Castillo, but I, I, I I think, uh, Switek and I think everybody got their zingers in and Castillo was just the punching bag taking it. So now, um, we're on a boat here. Waterside didn't really specify where Glenn meets with some dude named Anafrio Avila on his boat. Now I know in our description of, of the cast here said he was a drug dealer, but I don't think in the episode they said he was a drug dealer. They had a file. I well, well, we'll see. He had a file and it was a vice file, but they didn't really specify that he is a drug dealer. Yeah. I don't think they, I don't think they yeah. specifically said so. No. I mean, obviously he's a heavy player. You know, he's got secure, he's got his own thugs, his own goons. Why does he need information? You know, what's, what's he got going on? Nothing really was described, but anyway, moving on. Glenn meets with Avila on his boat and then he pretty much says that he's got Tubbs in his pocket to get info on Avila. You know, hey, well, I, Tubbs could get all the info that you need about you on what they know. So Anafrio wants to meet Tubbs and they can name the price for whatever info Tubbs can get for him. Glenn's kind of balking here and giving Tubbs up. You know, hey, this is this is my guy. You know, you deal with me. You you know, you could deal with him through me. But Anafrio says that he's got questions that Glenn doesn't need to hear. So Tubbs here is waiting along the waterside for Glenn. He arrives and Tubbs, uh, I think they're sitting in a car. Tubbs gives him a folder on a whole bunch of warrants and stuff. And then Glenn says, basically what you got here is, you know, small, small potatoes. Little things. Pick your own shit. Be specific. He wants all, and if you know, you know, people. He wants all of Vice info on Anafrio. And then they both can get big bucks, more than what they were talking about in one shot. Tubbs seems pleased with this, and he's going to play ball. I was thinking, would Tubbs know who Anafrio is anyways and what he's into? He didn't lead sure on he to would. it. When he said Anafrio's name, his eyes, his his facial expression changed, so maybe he did and didn't want to play it up. But later on, we'll see he didn't really say anything about that. I mean, if there was a thick enough file that they had, Tubbs should know about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, now it's a night scene. We're either at Glenn or Vicky's apartment. I, I I was thinking because I made my own side notes that Glenn is providing this apartment for Vicky for her reward for helping him out. Uh, they could live together too, and she's telling Glenn that she didn't like the fact a cop got killed and seems to not want to be in what she's in. She wanted out of this game. Glenn is explaining he doesn't want to wait twenty five years for a gold watch, and what they are doing is the only way out of here. 
He tries to justify this by bringing up that Tubbs wanting the help from the city on the killings and not getting anywhere. It's not right. He, he kept on telling her. And then we go, we flipped the OCB. Nobody is around. Diaz is typing up a report in another room. Tubbs is sneaking in with a flash and sneaking around with a flashlight looking for uh, Onofrio's files. Diaz walks past and to see Tubbs and turns on a light. Diaz plays cool for a bit, but then he asks Tubbs, what is he, what is he up to? Tubbs says, I'm just getting a file that I needed to sign off on. Diaz catches on and says, there's other ways to go out. Tubbs scoffs at him and calling him a teeny bopper cop and a punk. They almost come to blows when Tubbs leaves. Diaz looks at what file is now empty, and it was Onofrio's name. What you got there? Case file. Someone I gotta sign off. Well, look, before you sign off for good, man, I gotta tell you something. Backing out is a weak play. I think you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, well, who are you to judge me? Teeny Bopper? <sighs> Trying to cowboy your way up the top of the ladder. Man, I was working the New York streets when you were buying cassages for the prom. Maybe so. But I've been around long enough to scope someone sneaking out the back door. Well, call it anything you like. I've been shot. And I've been let down one too many times. The last thing I need is some punk cop in my face. Yeah, punk. You're the punk! Eddie died a better cop than you ever could have been! So now we're somewhere. We didn't really say where. Tubbs calls Glenn. I think it was by the payphones or something like that. And he says he's got uh, the file on, on Onofrio. And he also says that uh, Vice is pretty much going to hit his warehouse. And then Tubbs, for this, seems to want some extra cash for that little tidbit of information. But Glenn says, relax, you'll get paid, you'll get paid. So now at, at a warehouse, like docks, something like that, warehouses along the waterside, Glenn and uh, someone else, we're thinking Anafrio's goon here, they're on a boat watching through some binoculars. And then Crockett and the PD pull up to this warehouse. And then the, the fill-in, I think his name was Ayers, uh, the fill-in for Tubbs. After they opened the door to this warehouse, he shot. As soon as the door opens up, it was a booby trap door. Who didn't see this coming, right? Mm-hmm. So later at the warehouse, the press is already there while Ayers is being placed into the ambulance. I mean, pretty pretty quick getting the press and the whole crowd there, right? Before the, he's even carted away on the ambulance. Crockett, he pretty much shoes away the uh, TV crews. Okay, now, so this... now we'll, we'll stop right here just real quick. Is it an act or is it is it real? Right. No way would Tubbs set up Crockett. Right, exactly. He would, not, he would not allow, he wouldn't feed information knowing that it was going to, that you're giving up that a warehouse is going to hit and it could put, it's alerting somebody to put Crockett in danger. So mm. that. Or even anybody, gonna, not even just Crockett, even because Cubs, Tubbs doesn't do that. Tubbs doesn't play that game. No, and it, Vice, and Vice, and but he said it was specifically Vice was going to hit it. So mm-hmm. that means, you know, Crockett. Just to me, it meant Crockett. Yeah. So we're pressing on here, and now we're in the back in an ambo where we really learn what's going on. Gene and Trudy are the medics and are talking with the uninjured fill-in. Turns out they knew Tubbs gave Glenn the file, and it wasn't until 1 a.m., and then... The bomb squad had to go in real quick into the warehouse and change the bullets in his shotgun to blank, blank slugs after Glenn was there setting 
of the booby track. So this was a real, real bang, bang, quick operation. Uh, wiretap, the wiretaps are waiting for a grand jury to indict him. Uh, it turns out Tubbs signed a warrant and is being and is being put into the central computer. And you got thoughts on that, Mark? Playing this game, playing this, letting this play out. Okay, Tubbs signed this warrant. He's not working anymore. Everybody knows he's not working anymore. And it's going to be put in a computer like they always are. So here we mm-hmm. go. Now we know this is all an act. Because obviously it's going to be found out by Vicky, right? The leak? Yeah. And then he's waiting for Glenn to tell him where to meet. All in the ambulance know the source will tip Glenn on the warrant. So now we're by some payphones here. We see Diaz in a car watching Tubbs. And then Tubbs waiting for Glenn to call. Uh, Glenn finally calls Tubbs and the plans are changed on their terms. Now, it didn't really say who. I'm assuming Anafrio's terms, but he just said their terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, tall, uh, Tubbs here, he balks on speeding up the timing. It was basically the timing part, not the whole game plan, but the, just the timing. Because this originally is going to be at night. At night, right. And they just moved it up to what I think it was 45 minutes or something or within the hour. Is- Daytime, yeah. Daytime. Daytime. So uh, Glenn says, you know, because Tub said, hey, I got some plans going on right now. Glenn says, hey, change your plans uh, to meet ours. So he's on his way, but to where? Didn't really specify. So now we're at OCB. Stan and the state's attorney Kaplan meet with Castillo, and they give the rundown on who knows what about the warrant for the tap. And Castillo says, wait until all the interval was verified before you move on Onofrio or even Glenn. Switek again, very snarky with his responses to Castillo, and and I just gotta love it. Just this whole episode, Switek was just miffed. He was just mm-hmm. not putting up with it. Grand jury authorized to tap the McIntyre's apartment and his car phone. Who knows? Grand jury, me, your investigative team. I'm on my way to the phone company now. What about Ayers? Oh, he's fine. He said he's got plenty of time to get a squad together to back up tonight's meet with McIntyre and Tubbs. Just make sure nobody moves until it's positive that they have McIntyre's source. That means they have something specific on Tubbs, but they actually witness an exchange of information. Oh, I made it very clear if we have to grab McIntyre, before we know who's leaking his information, we're going to have to let him cop a plea and give up his source. And nobody wants to do that. <laughs> <laughs> just sticking in a craw. So anyway, Kaplan informs Castillo that since the warrant's already in the computer and the source of the leaks already sees it, Tubbs' cover is going to be blown. Castillo says that they pretty much know that and it's going to draw out the tension of the leak. Tubbs calls in and the state's attorney says, you know, basically just grab Glenn. And Tubbs says if they do that, the source is going to go so deep they're never going to find it. Tubbs says that Glenn pulled up and Castillo says it's your call on what you want to do. Play along or nab him now. So we're now now we're at the Justice Department where Vicky's searching for warrants and sees Tubbs warrant on Glenn. She calls someone, assuming Glenn. Crockett pulls up the pay phones where Tubbs was at originally. Obviously too late. Tubbs is already gone with Glenn. Tubbs is in a car with Glenn, who must have been on the phone with Vicky. He hangs up and tells Tubbs he's been made. The goon in the backseat draws down on Tubbs. And then we flip real quick back to the Justice Department. And obviously Vicky has been made. Because of the taps on Glenn's phone, Castillo, Gina, Trudy, and the state's attorney are there on the phone with Crockett, attempting to locate Tubbs and Glenn. Trudy tries to get the info from Vicky, but she lawyers up. I think you should use the Life360 app on the phones. 
Oh wait, they don't yes. have them. Back. They don't. They don't have those phones yet. Mm-hmm. So now at the docks where um, Anafrio's boat is, Glenn and Tubbs pull up to the docks. There, the goon stays in the car with Tubbs. I think he had him at gunpoint. And nearby, maybe like a restaurant or something like that, maybe a couple hundred feet away, we see Diaz lurking around, watching Glenn board the boat. He's watching everything going down here. So Glenn and Nafrio start talking, and then Diaz calls into Vice and is patched into Croc- patched to Crockett. He tells Crockett that he found the leak, saying Glenn and Tubbs are leaked, and to come get the bodies. And I think he pretty much just hangs up with them. Mm-hmm. Crockett is like, oh, nope, 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 not right, not right. So... So the goons start walking Tubbs down to the boat that Glenn and Anafrio are on. And then Diaz is seen sneaking up behind them while Crockett pulls up. And here we go. Shoot out at the docks, right? Diaz misses Tubbs. And then Tubbs jumps into another boat, you know, a smaller boat that's nearby there. Diaz hits one of the goons. And the other goon tries to shoot Diaz, but Crockett shoots that goon. And then Glenn opens fire on Diaz and hits him. And then Tubbs runs to Diaz. And then he dies in Tubbs' arm all while calling him a dirty cop. Surrounded, Glenn's got nowhere to go because some cops pulled up on a boat, got out the end of the dock, and then you've got Crockett and the other uh, other team at the other end of the dock. He's got nowhere to go. So what does he do? Turns a gun on himself, and then he falls into the water. Ooh. So at the end here, Castillo gives Tubbs his badge back and tells him to take as much time off as necessary, and I think they wheel Diaz by, and then um, Tubbs lays his badge on Diaz underneath the... The sheet there. And he's still kind of, you know, miffed about cops selling each other out while he's talking with Crockett and then says, hey, you know, it's going to happen, but we won this round. It's just another assignment. And what really bugged Tubbs was that Diaz went, you know, Diaz died thinking he was a dirty Thank cop. Yeah. I remember Crockett saying, you got it. You got to believe that he heard you, man. Some, it was something like that. Take as much time off as necessary. Man, I just can't get used to cops selling each other out. You gotta try and think of it as just another assignment. Because in the end, that's all it is. The world keeps turning. Yeah, maybe. Sometimes I don't know what kind of world I'm protecting anymore. Try and remember. We won this round. IMDB gives us a rating of 8.1. And then Mark, I wholeheartedly agree with this rating. Maybe it could be even a little bit higher, but definitely a solid 8.1, as this was another strong showing for Dick Wolf and company. The episode began with a booby-trapped apartment that killed a cop. We later learned that there were several other bombings that killed cops. And apparently there was a leak within Metro Day Department that had tubs going off and then eventually quitting the department with the intent to move back to New York City. I realized that this was a sting operation when Tubbs met with McIntyre at the bar and then cornered him on a street, eventually agreeing to make some cash for Vice Info that was sold to the drug dealer Avila. The Spidey sense went up on that for me that this is a setup only because he was bitching about how cops were, you know, that there had to be a leak, this and that. And then he's willing to play along with that, all in the name of getting money because he had to go through red tape with the credit union. It just, something just told me that. Uh, it was definitely a great cast as I did not recognize Annette Benning or Vigo Mortensen in their limited roles. Bobby Diaz became a line of duty death simply because he was not looped into the sting and thought Tubbs was dirty. 
What an outstanding episode. I definitely think there should have been higher rated, probably an 8.9 at least. I mean, this was very, very good. Kind of a Tubbs-centric episode. Mm-hmm. Definitely better. Definitely better than afternoon plane. They should just flush that one down the toilet. This I have perfect. a feeling when we do our ratings for <laughs> our recap, we're going to have something there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, great, strong story that's very plausible. And obviously, you know, it. I'm sure it does happen all the time all across the world, right? I was thrown in for the loop as I didn't recall, you know, the first airing of this. But, you know, I was like, oh, he quit. And I wait, what? He signed a warrant. How does that happen if you quit? That doesn't work that way. You turn in your badge, you're done. Turn your keys. Um, maybe Crockett got to him after he handed Castillo the badge. And then they just them three played it up. Tubbs is too cool not to play it cool and go by the book and procedure and leave in the force, right? So that's that's mm-hmm. how he is. Even when Gina asked his official status, that roped everyone in too, I'm sure. At least people who didn't really need to know, didn't know. I kind of knew from the get-go that Diaz was going to go rogue after he said he's going to find out who did this. I'm surprised he didn't contact Crockett after he saw Tubbs snooping into the files there. I mean, if those two dudes wanted to be sergeants, you know, that's one of the things you do. You see something going on, you don't go alone, right? Especially something like this. Mm -hmm. This big spread wide, you know, with all these cops getting killed. You want to be a sergeant, you got to... You got to spread the info. So, and again, we didn't really know. It was really never specified what Anafrio was into and why he even had a file, assuming it was just drugs, but it wasn't really said, you know, even with all these, he wanted info. Why did he want info? Did he get want info because he was burned in the past or some of mm-hmm. his players were burned in the past and he's just getting retribution for all these cops? Was it just any cop? Was it specific cops? That story could have probably been tossed in there, but maybe maybe he did, and he was fed a line from Crockett. You know, maybe Diaz did say say, say something, and you know he was fed a line from Crockett or Castillo. Say, hey, we'll take care of it. Um, this episode, along with our last episode, I mean, Air was very reminiscent of season and one and season two in the cinematography and the style and the storytelling. So let's hope it stays that way, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I would like to think that the sting came after, you know, when Eddie was killed, that booby trapped, they had enough of it. So like you said, I think that Crockett, Tubbs and Castillo got together at some point and said, all right, we're going to, we're going to just throw, toss this out there, right. let Tubbs become disgruntled and see, and see where things play. It had to be something like that. There's no way. They had this thing set up because then Eddie would have died needlessly. I right. mean, they, they would have. So it had to be something like that. Yeah. Either way, great episode. Last two, like you said, have been strong showings for uh, for Dick Wolf and company. So now we're into the music. Uh, portion of our episode and we have best adventures by thinkman and that's when tubbs bobby and eddie go up into the nemo money talks by the alan parsons project where tubbs and mcintyre talking about and closer to heaven by the alan parsons project in the final shootout at the marina there's no listed Jan hammer music featured in the episode but that plinky music that we had in season one was showing up here and that was definitely Jan hammer music that's some of his background. There's no crediting for it in this no, episode. Nothing credited.
So now on to our goofs, fun facts, and locations. And our first goof, and only goof really, when Tubbs is arguing with the clerk in the Metro Credit Union office, the amount of blood around the collar of his shirt has substantially decreased from the preceding scene. There's still some blood there, so clearly he has not changed shirts, but somehow most of it has vanished. Cation here, 227 First Street in Miami Beach. That's where Crockett and Tubbs parked at Testarossa to meet Diaz and Trumbull in the opening scene. And I'll put a then and now photo in our social media posts. Our next location is the Nemo Hotel, now called Prime Fish, 100 Collins Avenue, Miami Beach, where Tubbs, Diaz, Trumbull encounter the booby-trapped room. And our last location, we've got Nuda's Boatyard, which is now Hurricane Cove Marina and Boatyard, 1884 Northwest North River Drive in Miami. And now let's go over the trivia portion of this episode. In our last episode, we asked, when Crockett Tubbs visited Izzy and he was trying to make himself well with his cold, what did he do with his cigarette? After he came out from under the steam towel, he dipped his cigarette into Vic's VapoRub. What is Izzy using as a mechanism for his steam? Answer, an espresso machine. Anyway, this show's trivia question is, when Tubbs, Eddie, and Bobby walked up the stairs in the Nemo Hotel, there were several names painted on the wall of a makeshift mural. What were those women's names? You could post your answers on this episode's Facebook post, or you could email us at miamivice at duck.com. So now we've arrived at Snurd's Chalkboard of Wisdom, where we hope to inspire, enlighten, or make you snicker a little. In both the world of Miami Vice and our current world at large, we encounter many challenges we work to overcome. In the interest of creating a family-friendly atmosphere, through the show and on our social media, we would like to offer some parting thoughts. A simple quote, phrase, or words of encouragement, or funny quip to you, our listeners. Because without you, our friends, we'd just be talking to ourselves. We say friends because that's what we consider all of you who follow our show and social media. This episode quote is, Life is a process of returning to one's center line again and again, and so it shall always be. Corey Lyon Folsom. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us on this review. We hope you found it exciting and entertaining. And if you did, please consider subscribing to the podcast and following us on our social media to stay updated on our latest episodes. On Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, we are Vice of Miami Podcasts. Your support means everything to us, and if you got a spare moment, we're going to be incredibly grateful if you could leave us a rating and a review on those channels. Thanks again for listening, and we can't wait to share more with you soon. So we'll catch you next time on the Vice of Miami podcast on show 68, covering episode 20, By Hooker, By Crook. Now. Good luck, pal.